Most of us at one time or another try a sport, but only a tiny fraction become so good that we call them elite, the best of the best. Most get there through an incredible work ethic that starts as a child and usually dominates their young lives, often at the expense of their education and social lives. For most, the blood, sweat, and tears results in just a few years at the top of that mountain. What then? Have these elite athletes prepared for life after the glory? This podcast celebrates the lives of these elite athletes through conversation stories and a few laughs along the way. And now your hosts, Lucy Sang and Gary Stern. In our season three look at trailblazers, community and social activists among the former elite athletes of the past few decades, Lucy and I can think of no more appropriate guest than elite college and pro football puncher, Mr. Chris Cluey. At just 39 years of age, Chris Cluey has packed more meaning and purpose into his life than many athletes will ever experience. Chris was a 1999 USA Today high school football All-American, one of the top punters in the Pac-12 during his years at UCLA, and then a record-setting punter in the NFL from 2004 to 2014, most of those years with the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, Chris Cluey was an elite punter with the Vikings, but his greatest impact on sports has been as a social activist, especially when it came to gay rights and same-sex marriage. This led to tension between Cluey and the Vikings coaching staff, which eventually led to his departure from the NFL. He was released by the Vikings, then released after one year with the Oakland Raiders. He was not ready to retire. He had a lot left in that right leg, but no one would sign him, and he retired from pro football after the 2013 season. Chris did not allow his experience to get the better of him, he pursued a writing career and became a widely respected humor columnist with the sports website Deadspin. You will discover Chris Cluey to be a true renaissance man, a real trailblazer when it comes to an elite athlete who discovers the difference a sports star can make through the platform given to him by his athletic prowess. We know you will be impressed by former UCLA and NFL punter, Mr. Chris Cluey. Chris, it is great to welcome you today to After the Glory. How are you hanging in during the pandemic? Uh, doing all right. I'm about 10 pounds heavier than I want to be, but other than that, I'm surviving so far. I hear you. Um, we're here with uh, our team and, uh, and my co-host, Lucy, who's uh, maybe a little less talkative in this episode due to some Wi-Fi issues, uh, but uh, she'll pipe in. Um, Chris, we usually start After the Glory episodes with a journey into how your journey ended up becoming one of the great elite athletes in football in the world of uh, special teams and punting. As a kid, I, I imagine that a dream of becoming a punter is not usually the first dream that a kid has in mind. Tell us how you uh, uh, get, came to the world of punting uh, from your uh, first introduction to football. Yeah, it's funny. So I grew up playing uh, soccer and baseball. Um, been playing both of those since I was five years old and uh, never had any intention of playing football. <laughs> it was, you know, I, we would we would actually make fun of the, you know, football players when we were playing soccer. We're like, oh, what, they have to take a break every 30 seconds <laughs> like while we're out running around on the field. Um, but then I got into uh, got into high school in my freshman year. I needed a fall sport um, because in California, soccer is a winter sport. Baseball is a spring sport. And I didn't want to do the, um, the standard PE classes of, of high school. So I was like, well, you know, I, I have two options. I can do football or I can do cross country. And I was like, I hate running, so I don't want to do cross country. <laughs> Little did I know the amount of running that goes <laughs> into football. But um, so I, I 
told myself, well, I'm really good at kicking a soccer ball. I know they have kickers on football, so I'll I'll give that a shot. <laughs> it uh, turned out to be pretty good at it. And uh, obviously, from the moment you discovered soccer, obviously you discovered the foot part of football. Mm-hmm. Um, what goes into making an elite punter? Um, a lot of practice and um, mastering very tiny fundamental details that can make a big difference in how the ball is kicked. Because uh, the, the thing that um, a lot of people don't understand, uh, the difference between punting a football and, and like punting a soccer ball in terms of like a goalie kick, is that a soccer ball is round, right? So the, the sweet spot is always going to be at the same point on the ball like it doesn't matter how you spin the ball or how you turn it like you're always going to hit the same sweet spot whereas punting like the sweet spot on a football is very very small especially an nfl uh, regulation size ball it's maybe like an inch in diameter maybe inch and a half and if the ball twists or turns at all because it's an oblate spheroid not a round soccer ball (laughs) you you have to you really have to make sure you hit that sweet spot and um if you don't like if you're off by even an inch that's the difference between you know a 30 yard punt that goes out of bounds versus a 45 yard punt with good hang time that goes down the field that you can cover definitely well chris i'm a basketball gal and i know when i shoot free throws i have my little routine so how long did it take you to figure out your little step before your kick um it took me probably like two and a half years maybe three years to to get comfortable because because again it's the the other thing is you're you're doing a a fairly complex motion under some very tight time constraints um in high school you have usually around like two and a half seconds uh to get a punt off um but as you work your way up through college and into the pros that time gets quicker and quicker and quicker and so um when i was in the pros my uh, my get off time was about i think it was like 1.9 to two seconds um from the snap to the kick and generally if you're under 2.1 seconds um the ball won't get blocked unless someone comes absolutely free up the middle that's just beautiful i mean there's data behind this too right i mean i'm thinking i'm thinking when i'm shooting a free throw the whole world is waiting on me and there's no time limit or or peak you know zone to be able to get that shot up but it sounds like as a kicker you're on a time frame and uh that that's definitely something that takes a lot of practice. Yeah, it's well, and the and the other thing too is that you you also have to get used to um, your long snappers' rhythms because mm. not like long snappers each have their own distinct style, and so you know you can get used to to one long snapper be like, okay, I can tell right when he's about to snap the ball, gives you that just little bit of anticipation, heads up. But then if you get a completely different long snapper, now you got to learn that guy's style because his uh, you know the little stuff that he does right before he snaps is going to be totally different than the other guy that you had. So yeah, it's, it's, and, and again, no one's ever going to know that unless you are a punter right. who, who experiences it. it. Like there's no reason for you to know that. Chris, in high school, when you, uh, when you start out, uh, were you also place kicking? Were you playing other positions? Uh, uh, how did you evolve into the specialist only of being a punter? Yeah, so I did um, place kicking in high school as well, um, because in high school you can use the uh, the two-inch block for um, for field goals, which helps a lot in getting the ball off the ground. Uh, once you're in college, you have to hit the ball off the ground, which um, that's where you see the motions start to diverge, because kicking is a bit more of a across-your-body motion, whereas punting is more straight on. Um, and if you switch those motions up, for example, like if you hit a field goal the same way you'd hit a punt, it's really not going to end well. <laughs> so most guys pick one or the other. Um, but yeah, my freshman year, um, I couldn't play any other positions because I had separated the growth plate in my right shoulder uh, playing baseball from pitching. Um, and so I was still healing from that. So couldn't, I wasn't allowed to do any contact drills. And then um, my sophomore year, um, 
my coach put me in my first and last tackling drill ever <laughs> where it was just goal line thud tackling. He said, you know, Chloe, get in there. It'll be good for you as, as the ball carrier. So I'm like, okay, sure, get in and uh, run the ball. Guy thuds me up. My cleat gets caught in the ground and I tore the ACL in my left knee. <laughs> so <laughs> did not play that season. <laughs> yeah. And well, I took... uh, were you recruited to uh, come to UCLA? Yeah, yeah, I got a uh, full ride scholarship on the start of my senior year, so it was uh, it was pretty nice to have because you know usually your senior year everyone's worried about like oh am I going to get into colleges am I going to get accepted, and I was very fortunate in the fact that I I had a lot of colleges looking at me and offering me scholarships, and I was I was able to pick where I wanted to go, so that that's not a lot of thing a, a lot of kids get to do. So with a bunch of Bruins on this podcast right now, tell us what UCLA means to you. Did you want to go to UCLA or was the full ride kind of the decision maker? Uh, yeah, no, I wanted to go to UCLA. I, I had full ride offers from quite a few schools. And um, for me, UCLA was, um, I knew it was a good school. Uh, my mom had gone there for, um, for medical school. And um, I, uh, it was far enough away from my parents' house to where, you know, I could come back and visit, right, if I needed to get laundry done or, you know, pick up some food. But it was just far enough away to where it was kind of a bit out of the way for them to come visit. So it was that perfect distance. But, I uh, totally relate. I grew up in Alhambra, California by Pasadena where the Rose Bowl is. So mm-hmm. just far enough, but close right. enough as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, but then once I got to the school um, and learned, you know, kind of the legacy, uh, especially the sports legacy there. Um, I know in the, the football locker room, uh, when I was there, they had a uh, you know, big mural of uh, Kenny Washington, right? One of the first African-American players to, to play in the NFL. Um, obviously there's Jackie Robinson's legacy. Um, you know, it's, it's just the school itself has a, a very rich tradition of scholar athletes, you know, speaking out and, and, you know, doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Well, Chris has uh, alluded to some marvelous UCLA history uh, that is well beyond the normal sports discussion. And when we come back, we'll talk about Chris Cluey, the man, and the passions that he has away from sport as he went to UCLA and then to the NFL. On After the Glory with Gary Stern and Lucy saying our special guest, Chris Cluey. We'll be back. Role models, they can make all the difference. In our world today, they have never been more important. One of the nation's most successful mentoring organizations is Jewish Big Brothers Big Sisters of Los Angeles. Their mission is to assist youth in achieving their full potential through innovative and impactful programs. And no nonprofit agency does it better. Jewish Big Brothers Big Sisters of LA serves Jewish children, boys and girls in our local community with a mentoring program that's been going strong since 1915. That's only the beginning. This nationally known agency owns and operates Camp Bob Waldorf. Its summer camping and weekend retreat programs enrich the lives of youth throughout greater Los Angeles. Then there's a college support program And last but not least, work that helps kids all over the world through the Teen Talk app. Want to learn more? Go to jbbbsla.org. Donate. Get involved. There's no better way to make a difference. Hey, this is Lucy Sang from Resiliency Coaching. I am a certified mental performance coach focused on working with athletes transitioning into life after the glory days of sports. I help like-minded people become high performers and thrive in all areas of life. My goal is to serve as your accountability partner and offer different perspectives as you make tough decisions. Learn more about me on Instagram at resiliency underscore coaching 
R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E underscore coaching. And thanks for tuning in to After the Glory. And we're back on After the Glory with Lucy Singh. This is Gary Stern and our guest today, former UCLA and NFL punter extraordinaire, Chris Cluey. Chris, uh, you talked about going to uh, UCLA on a full-ride scholarship, um, but uh, you did something a lot of athletes don't do. You were a double major in some major subjects. Academics was obviously something instilled in you by your professional parents. Um, Tell us a little about how you viewed the academic side of your decision to go to UCLA and the journey of those four years at UCLA. Yeah, so I've always been, um, I've been fortunate to have been a, fa- a pretty good scholar uh, most of my life. Um, most subjects always came pretty easy to me. Um, I, I was good at math, good at reading. Um, you know, turns out I was good at writing. <laughs> but um, when, I, when I got to UCLA, it was actually kind of funny because um, for the first time in my life, I had a class where I did not understand what was going on. So when I initially got to UCLA, my, uh, my major, I was going to major in computer science because I, I really liked uh, computers. I, I liked programming. And um, at the time, one of the requirements to get into the major was you had to pass the engineering level uh, physics course um, to get into the engineering major. Like computer science you know, was still considered an engineering thing. And the first time in my life, I just did not understand what was going on. Like I, I, I understand physics. Like I understand you know, the basic premise behind it. It's just when I get to the equations, I'm like, yeah, I, I, for some reason my brain's like, nope, that's not gonna work. <laughs> So I had to find something else to do, uh, you know, to stay eligible, because obviously you need to be majoring in something to stay eligible for uh, for sports. So um, one of my teammates at the time told me that uh, political science, um, one of the professors offered open book, open note quizzes. And I was like, oh, that sounds amazing, because then I don't have to go to class. <laughs> I can just read the textbook the night before midterms and then go get like a B or a C plus. <laughs> Because, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I was the greatest student when I was in college. Uh, I, I enjoyed my free time perhaps a little too much, but I stayed eligible, which was what was important. And then, yeah, so I ended up finishing um, poli-sci in three years. Uh, needed to keep taking classes because I still had two years of eligibility left for football. Um, so I was looking at the other majors. And I was like, well, history is basically political science that's already happened. So I'll just go major in history as well. So yeah, I ended up, uh, finished that one in two years because they shared a lot of the same prerequisites. And uh, yeah, I ended with a double major in uh, history and poli-sci. When you uh, eventually got into the NFL, we know, and we will do a deep dive into the social activism, but let's go back. Were you more reticent to speak out on issues as a college student? Is that something that evolved for you over time, the the confidence to speak out on, on non-sports issues? Or, or was that something you were involved in at UCLA as well? Yeah, I, that was something that I think evolved over time in that when when I was uh, younger um, and, and in college, I don't, I don't think I, I was, well, no, I don't think, I know I wasn't as aware of my own privilege um, at that time, um, especially being a heterosexual white male, like I essentially had the, the world on easy mode. Um, and so, you know, I, I would speak out if I saw something wrong, but it wasn't like I was actively looking to to figure out, okay, Hayes, you know, is is what's happening just? Is what's is what is happening fair? And so, um, as I got into the NFL, and I kind of became, uh, especially with social media, you know, getting exposed to to a lot of viewpoints and and people essentially just asking for help, right? Like that that was the whole reason why I got involved um, with the with trying to um, help LGBTQ rights in Minnesota was that 
someone asked me, hey, can you help us defeat this constitutional amendment that would ban same-sex marriage? And I thought to myself, yeah, I can. Like, I, I do have that position and I should help them because it's the right thing to do. And I would want someone to help me if I ever asked them, you know, to, to help me out. So I, I, I will say it definitely was a, a maturing process. And I think that's something important for people to understand is that you don't have to start out as the, oh, I understand everything that's wrong with the world and I'm going to fix it. Like you you can move into that space. The, the only thing you need is a willingness to try to make yourself better every single day and to understand what's going on in the world around you and how it affects not just yourself, but all the people around you as well and whether they are having the same opportunities you are having. We know that at UCLA, you were not just a punter. You were certainly one of the best in the nation at it. And yet, at the end of your college career, um, you were not drafted and you ended up signing, signing with the Seattle Seahawks as a free agent. What happened? Is it because you were a punter or is there a story behind not being drafted? Um, honestly, I don't know. Um, I, I was a Ray Guy finalist. I, I think I probably would have had, I think I probably would have won the Ray Guy award my year if the, um, so the, the game, the week before voting, we were playing Oregon, uh, at Oregon and I dropped a punt snap and had one returned back for a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> Which, looking back, was, yeah, you probably don't want to have that the week before Ray Guy voting. But, yeah, I think in terms of um, of getting drafted or not, it was – I just I, – I don't know if teams thought I wasn't consistent enough or whatever. But to me, the, looking at the history of punters and kickers in the NFL, most of the guys who play for a long time aren't necessarily drafted to begin with. It's just once you get the opportunity to show what you can do – you have to be able to to perform at that level and and that's essentially what happened with me so chris i mean it's pretty obvious most of america thinks of american football and goes with the quarterback or you know the wide receiver and whatnot tell us what it's like being on special teams uh well it's, it's a lot of fun i mean it, it's you're you're taken for granted a lot of the time because uh people think you know oh i could just get off my couch and and kick a ball you know what's so hard about kicking a ball everyone can kick a ball you know you do it you do it as a kid you run around in the street and you and you kick something but as as i alluded to earlier there is a lot of like very small but very important fundamentals that go into kicking a ball properly at an nfl level it takes a lot of practice to master those and so um being a specialist is knowing that you have a job that's pretty important for the team but also knowing you're generally only going to have people paying attention to you when you screw up that job because that's when they care about it but i mean that's that's the life of a specialist <laughs> you, well you, just, you live with it the reality of course for people who know the game is that if you pin a team back on the one yard line because if you hit a punt and it uh, is covered by your own team on the one yard line your team's going to get the ball back in great field position so people who know football know that your position is crucial is that when you felt most rewarded by the the act of punting is when you had that kind of impact directly on the score yeah it's well so for me i always felt really good when i when i'd hit a really good ball because um a you know it meant i was doing my job properly but b it meant i was helping the team out and that i was putting them in a better position to help us win the game because no one individual person wins a football game like it's, it's not like basketball or to a lesser extent like soccer or baseball where you know a single person can have a drastic uh, impact on the outcome of the game like football you you have to have the whole team there 
Before we go to a break, one quick story, and then we're going to do a deep dive into social activism. Everybody who sees a special teams player, a field goal kicker or a punter, wants to know if you had a moment when suddenly you had to worry about a 300-pound lineman bearing down on you, the punt was, let's say, bad, and you had to run the ball. Did you ever have one of those moments? Uh, yeah, I did, actually. So my, my second year, um, it was my first year holding for field goals. Um, I, I hadn't held at the NFL level before. And um, our very first snaps on Monday Night Football, uh, we're playing at Washington. And um, I dropped the snap. And so I picked the ball up. I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to have to run it. <laughs> and I remembered in, um, in college, I'd had a similar situation happen. And if I had just ran straight for the end zone, I would have made it. So I'm like, okay, this time I'm not going to make the same mistake. Like, I'm just going to take off straight for the pylon. Um, it, but it turns out in the NFL, uh, guys are a lot faster <laughs> than in college. And I'm not particularly fast myself. So, yeah, I just got, I got blown up on the two-yard line. But <laughs> it was, uh, well, yeah, it was exciting. <laughs> the, the serious moments of social activism and the effect on an NFL player when we come back on After the Glory with Gary Stern, Lucy Singh, and our special guest, Chris Cluey, will get serious. This is Daryl Wayne here to talk to you about the co-creator and co-host of After the Glory, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern. When Gary's not talking to elite athletes, you can usually find him doing what he's been doing for almost 45 years, navigating the world of government. As a college student and young professional, Gary helped folks deal with federal and state agencies through his work as a caseworker with a local congressman and state senator. That work prepared Gary for a career as a consumer lawyer. Today, Gary still helps people in all walks of life, but his passion nowadays is his service as a mediator, mostly in cases like the ones he's been handling for over four decades, where people have been injured in accidents or in connection with their employment. You can learn more about Stern Law, the law offices of Gary N. Stern at his website, www.sternlaw.org. That's S-T-E-R-N. Or you can call him at 818-710-2717. That's 818-710-2717. Raise your game to a higher degree. Educating industry professionals since 1991, the University of San Francisco has established itself as one of the leading sport management master's programs in the world. Our locations in San Francisco and Orange County give students access to two of the largest sport markets. Earn a master's degree in 23 months from industry-leading faculty and join a community of over 2,500 alumni and students. Learn more and apply today at usfca.edu forward slash SM. Go Dons! University Credit Union has been providing a financial edge to members for over 70 years. Now you can earn more with University Credit Union. Earn up to 5% APY with a university checking account for the banking that you already do. You'll save more when you switch your deposits and loans to University Credit Union. Bank with your brain. Visit ucu.org to join today. Federally insured by NCUA. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back on After the Glory with uh, my co-host and co-creator, Lucy Sang. This is Gary Stern, and we are enjoying conversation with Chris Cluey former NFL and UCLA punter extraordinaire. Chris, it's 2013. You've finished the season, um, and uh, things don't go exactly as you think in terms of suddenly you're released. You go to Oakland, you're released. What happened? 
Yeah, so I got released by the Vikings um, after speaking out for uh, same-sex marriage, and um, my special teams coach and I did not see eye-to-eye, <laughs> as it were, on um, the rights that LGBTQ people should have. And so at the time, I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I guess they're moving on from me, which I felt was kind of weird because I had set uh, pretty much almost all of the franchise's punting records and was doing, you know, what they wanted me to do out on the field. So I thought that, that was peculiar. Um, but I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to see if I can still make it in the NFL. And so ha- had uh, tryouts with, um, with Oakland. I was with them during the preseason of 2013, um, all the way up through the preseason. Uh, got beat out by Marquette King, which I, I have no complaints there. He just he he outkicked me there. He was he was a remarkably good punter. Um, and then I had a tryout with um, the Bengals, where and that that's what uh, led me to believe that I was never going to punt in the NFL again. Was um, their uh, their punter uh, Kenneth Huber um, went. Was it Huber? Yeah, I think it was Huber. Uh, went down on um, Saturday, uh, Sunday night football, and um, got got his jaw broken on a blindside hit. And so they were they needed a punter. So they brought me in along with uh, four other guys, and um, I I felt like I had a really good tryout. <laughs> it was like, okay, they need someone who can directionally punt, um, who can hang it up there. I'm a veteran guy. I've you know I've done this before. I've been in the playoffs before. They were looking to to make a playoff run, and so I was like, okay, I like legit felt I won this tryout. I'll I'll be you know their punter. Like not long term, but definitely to finish out the season. And the uh, the first clue I had that I wasn't going to be the punter was when their ops guy came in and said, so Chris, you're flying back to uh, LAX, right? <laughs> I'm just like no John Wayne please <laughs> so it, at that point I was like okay this this was the ideal situation for you know for me to sign with another team and it didn't happen so yeah I'm I'm probably not going to play in the NFL again and I don't think it's due to my ability because like I said you know I was still hitting the ball the same way I had I had hit it the previous eight years of my career and so the only thing I could think of at that point was okay well obviously what changed between those previous eight years and now and the only thing that had changed was me speaking out for uh for lbgtq rights and so yeah (laughs) well but let me ask you this that notion did not come out for a while in other words Mm -hmm. i think at the time you were silent about the fact that you left the game but then you were interviewed and it came out later on and it made a lot of news and it made a lot of news that an athlete in any sport would be drummed out of the profession because of their views um tell us about the the media reaction um to the news as you saw it that that was why you were no longer playing football yeah, well, I mean, I, I did write a somewhat inflammatory article <laughs> laying out why I didn't think I was playing anymore. I believe I titled it, um, I was fired by two cowards and a bigot. So <laughs> that in <laughs> itself probably drew the, uh, the the initial eyes to it. Um, but yeah, it, it, was, it was essentially um, af- after that, that tryout with the Bengals, I, I was like, okay, well, you know, if I'm not going to be playing in the NFL anymore and it's not due to, to my abilities as a punter, like I, I would like people to know that, hey, this is what happened. And, you know, the, the the hardest thing with with professional sports is proving that something like that is the case. I mean, we, we saw that with Colin Kaepernick. Um, you, you see it with other guys who speak out on issues in that teams will always say, oh, it's not because of his, um, you know, his stance on these issues. It's because like his efficiency is down or, you know, or, or we're looking to get younger and cheaper and like the contract just didn't make sense anymore. And 
and it you can't really prove that they're wrong right because sports is so subjective like it's you know you'd be like oh his numbers are great but they all came in garbage time you know like that's that's an argument they would use for for quarterbacks right or like oh you know his punting numbers are the same but uh he's you know they're getting more returns and it's like well okay that <laughs> that doesn't mean anything on the punter that's on your coverage team so um what what i tried to do with with that article that i wrote was lay out everything that had happened from my perspective and why i believed that this was the case that I was no longer playing in the NFL. And and I made it perfectly clear in, you know, in the piece that I wrote that like, Hey, like I can't like the only things I can prove was that these things happened to me. And that from that point on, I think this is the reason why I'm not playing in the NFL anymore. And I'm pretty sure it's the reason I'm not playing in the NFL anymore, but I know that there's going to be people who disagree with that, but I mean, <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> So Chris, I know we can definitely talk more and more about your experience with the NFL, speaking of being a social activist. Um, with a couple minutes left on our episode today, you know, tell us more about what you're up to now and what After the Glory is means to you. Yeah, so I never defined my my life by being a football player. I know there's a lot of people who especially athletes that that sport is the the core of who they are, right? It's like, "Oh, you know, I've I've always wanted to be, you know, a professional so-and-so ever since I was a young kid. And I, I feel like the problem with that mindset is that, yeah, it can be great to inspire you, to drive you to succeed. But then what happens once you're done? Because you're not going to be a professional athlete forever. I mean, your body has a, a, a clock on it. <laughs> like you're, you're going to grow old. You're going to get slower. You're going to get weaker. And you just you won't be able to play anymore. So you, you have to be able to define yourself by other things as well. And so I've I've always been a huge nerd. I love I love video games. I love reading. I love board games, um, you know, all sorts of stuff. And uh, when, when I was done with football, I was like, OK, well, you know, I'm done with football. I, it was it was fun while it lasted. Now I can go do all this other stuff that I enjoy doing. And so um, um, I've designed a, I designed a tabletop board game uh, called Twilight of the Go Twilight of the Gods. Uh, it's a deck building card game similar to like Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, stuff like that. Um, I wrote a science fiction novel uh, called Otaku that came out last year. And um, if you're writing <laughs> your de debut science fiction novel. Um, hope that it doesn't get released in the middle of a worldwide pandemic <laughs> that really kind of cuts the book tour short <laughs> and it, uh, it hurts sales a little bit <laughs> but that was a lot of fun um it's it's still available um people can go pick it up it deals a lot with um uh online gaming and then also kind of like my experiences as an athlete i tried to bring some of those in there and what it's like to perform at the highest level and kind of what that feels like um, but yeah, I'm, I just try to stay busy, try to try to find things to do, and um, you know, just enjoy life as it comes. How about Tripping Icarus? Oh yeah, my band. So um, I played in my band uh, when I was in Minnesota. So it was me and a couple friends uh, from Minnesota. The one when I moved away back to California, um, the band you know fell apart because they still live in Minnesota. But we still talk to each other on a daily basis, and uh, you know we're we're hopeful that one of these days we can get back together and make music again because uh, playing in a band's a lot of fun. It's a it's a lot of pressure, but it's a completely different kind of pressure than being out like on a sports field because you you are right there up in front of people <laughs> like they're, and, they're like yeah. <laughs> yeah and you also wrote uh, beautifully unique sparkle ponies a uh, collection of essays on various topics that came out in 2013 um are uh, is the uh, is the anthology and the uh, and the novel are they all available on amazon yeah, yeah, they're available on Amazon. Um, independent bookstores, support your independent bookstores, please. <laughs> but yeah, where, wherever you can get them, they, they should be available at um, at pretty much any major major online retailer. Well, listen, it's been absolutely wonderful to spend some time with you, Chris. Lucy, why don't you close us out for today? 
Chris, just it's so great to hear from an athlete who clearly knows your impact on the field and off the field. And as you know, I am a mental performance coach. I work with athletes who are transitioning into life after the glory days of sports. So I'm sure you are inspiring many to find a fulfilling and wholesome life outside of sports. That's just absolutely incredible. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of After the Glory. Thank you to our producer, Mark Allen, and our sound engineer, Daryl Wayne. Today, this is Lucy Sang, Gary Stern, our special guest, Chris Cluey, on After the Glory. Hear you next time. Lucy and I hope you enjoyed this edition of After the Glory. We are also grateful for music by T. Dan Hofstede. And as we close out this episode of After the Glory, we honor our guest with our theme song, written and sung by my brother in baseball, T. Dan, the master of music from the islands and the slack key guitar. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and athletic. Living the dream on a shooting star. Hometown crowd cheering what you are. Living large and riding high. Razzling and dazzling the crowd. Back in the day, so young and strong, work or play, you can do no wrong. But when that ride is through, what you gonna do? Hey, hey, what's your story? What you gonna do after the glory? Step back and take it.